So hello and welcome to the PG of Alberta Education Committee podcast series. My name is Craig Vogel and it is my pleasure to introduce Martin Chuck. Martin is the uh, Southwest PGA Coach of the Year and runs the top-ranked golf school in Arizona, the Tour Striker Golf Academy. Uh, Martin, thank you for taking some time out during the holidays and talking to us. Uh, great to be with you guys. Hope all is going well up there. Aside from a uh, little break in the hockey action right now, you guys can't enjoy the NHL. No. My well, we beloved got, Maple got, Leafs. World, yeah, <laughs> got some World Juniors, though, so it's not too bad. That's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Basically, uh, the main thing that we want to do is, is first get, get to know you. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into golf? Yeah, so grew up in Toronto, just um, a suburb just north of downtown, North York. And you know, started, uh, you know, it was interesting. I kind of wondered where my dad was going on Saturdays. And then it's like, what, what's going on here? Because he's picked up golf later in life. And and there was an extra club and a, you know, a couple clubs lying in the corner of the garage, these hard, goofy golf balls. And I went to the park and I smacked a couple around in my schoolyard, actually, and got hold of one and broke a neighbor's window, like first outing. And, and that neighbor, I, I didn't know that neighbor at all. Like I saw the guy kind of tend to his yard once in a while. He happened to be home. I panicked. I'm like, should I run? What should I do? Anyway, I didn't run. So my, this neighbor guy walks me home about a block away. And my dad had gotten home by then, and I thought I was just going to get torn up. I usually walk in my house, kind of down the side yard into the mud room kind of thing, the laundry room. Well, he, we walked to my front door up the stoop, ring the doorbell, which that's a place I never went to because it's not how I entered my house. And so my dad's like, hey, guys, what's going on? He was all looking like concerned. And the neighbor said, hey, how are you? You know, your son hit a golf ball over the fence and broke a window. And uh, right away, he's like, really? How far did he hit it? You know, so he was pretty pumped about the fact I made contact and the ball went over a fence and broke a window. So, you know, that, that could have went another way, but it, luckily for me, it went, a, you know, sort of a positive way. And um, right away, he kind of got me into a little junior program at a club North of Toronto called Meadowbrook. And, you know, I kind of dug it. And then there was an opportunity with George Newton. There was a thing published in the Toronto star that George was doing a, a free junior clinic at a course called Don Valley, which is, wasn't far from my house. And I went to that. And honestly, the only, there's probably only six or seven kids showed up and I was all ears. And, and then, you know, I asked them when the next one would be. And I went to the next little one. There was only six or seven kids showed up for that too. But what was cool is that was my introduction to him. And then when I was 12, well, maybe 11, there was a opportunity. My dad got me a birthday present, which was spend a day with George. Like he used to do he used to do it like a full day camp for three people. It was him and three people. And the cool thing was, so my dad gets me this thing. I'm a kid. And the three people there, one was Gar Hamilton. I don't know if you remember who Gar Hamilton is. Most, most Canadian pros would know who he is. He was a, you know, Danny King's a great playing CPGA member. Well, Gar Hamilton prior to Danny was probably the, the winningest club pro in, in uh, Canada. One of, one of them anyway, played on the champions tour, had his tour card for a little bit. And so I show up that day and it's Gar Hamilton and some guy who gets called away at business, like right away. So he's gone. So it's just me and Gar Hamilton and George Newton, like all day hitting balls and talking golf. And it couldn't have been any cooler. So at the end of the day, my father comes to pick me up and goes, Hey, how did it go? And George goes, he did great. He goes, in fact, if I have an open spot, you can bring him back for free anytime. So that was such, left such an impression with me, you know, just, you know, work hard, listen, good things happen. 
And, um, you know, George started a junior program the next year at the National Golf Club, and I was invited to be a part of that, which was a blessing. And I was with some, you know, darn good players there, David Moreland, Brennan Little uh, coming to mind. Um, these are, I'm dating myself, but, you know, I'm 53. Those dudes are my age, a little bit younger, but, um, you know, pretty neat to be in, in Southern Ontario at that point, at that moment in time with the likes of George Newton being around, Mo Norman being around quite a bit and getting to spend some time with him. And so pretty, pretty neat time to be a part of the deal back then. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of guys that I've talked to over the years that were in that area. Um, uh, like Paul Horton, you, do you know, Paul? Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. Like, so a lot, a lot of people seem to know, like have relationships or had known George. So George seemed to have been pretty uh, generous with his time and, uh, you know, really helped develop a lot of, players so that's that's a pretty cool story um so yeah for the first uh thing i wanted to really ask you is the way that i found out about you was the uh, the tour striker itself so you know it's, you know for people who don't know it's basically uh, like a golf club that has the beveled front end and uh, yeah got yeah. one around here somewhere <laughs> yeah i have one too <laughs> it's uh, it's a pretty simple uh training aid very effective um, so how did that come about? Like what, how did you end up inventing that? You know, it's interesting is, uh, I had this client of mine, you know, he was a brand new client. He was a retired older fella came to the golf course. I was a club pro for 16 years in the U S I played for a cup of coffee on the Canadian tour and the nationwide tour in the early nineties. And then I got a club pro job in Palm Springs. So, you know, my teaching background, I always taught as a teenager cause I worked for George at his range. And so, you know, I got to teach quite a bit working for him, but as a club pro giving, you know, newbies lessons, you know, I used to try to help people understand that, you know, the club starts in one place and dynamically it's delivered somewhere else. And, you know, that's a hard thing to get your head around. Well, when you have, I'm going to grab one. I've got one sitting in my bag right here. You know, when you have, uh, when you have things like the original one's actually my studio at the Raven where I do my golf school, but you know, that's the crazy product, right? So really elevated leading edge. So, you know, the sole of the club's quite lower than the, the face and kind of, the, you know, inspires a little bit of delivery this way to make the ball go up. Well, so this guy was a newbie, signs up for a lesson and he, and super smart guy, but no matter what I said to him, he, I mean, he was going to do this all day. And I'm like, okay, well, it got me thinking, you know, that I used to do a drill with a, with a Sharpie. I take a Sharpie and I would put a mark on about the third, fourth groove right there. And then I would hit a shot and I could show the student how a little bit of downward strike and forward lean could smear that mark a little bit, obviously transfer to the ball, but the ball is way out there on the range. You're not going to go get it. And, you know, I'd say, so it's explaining dynamics and some people could look and nod their head, but not really get it. Well, with this club, I thought, you know, I, I don't really need the bottom couple of grooves when I hit a good shot. So that inspired me to go into the cart bar and there was a Jerry Barber golf club, which is way before your time but it was a shankless iron. So the, the hosel didn't go down this way. It kind of just was welded to the top part of the club right there. And so you can, you know, always hit the golf ball first if you hit the golf ball at all. So I took that thing to the grinding wheel and I ground off the first few grooves and I took it to him the next week. And I said, Hey, Peter hit this thing. And he looked at it and go, you can't hit that. And I said, but you can watch. And I hit a few. And then he like right away, there was a click in his, in his head and he goes, Oh, I see what you're doing. And then he pretty much understood that I was delivering the golf club, you know, a little bit differently than he was or his intent. And, you know, it was fun because right away I could see him 
sort of get to his left side a little bit right away. I could see instead of a scoop, more of a, you know, something like you're taking a slap shot more than trying to like flick a puck over the net Zegra style, but you know, good fun. And, and right. So I went, went home that day and I said to my wife, I go, Hey, that thing, I stayed late to grind away on for a couple hours in the card barn. That thing worked really well. I, we might have something cool here to share with golfers. And that's what kind of led to taking that goofy prototype I made. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a Marshall retired guy who worked for me, who was also a part-time shop class coach Like he would do like shop class and go and teach metal work with in high school. So I took him, my next one was a Hogan eight iron and I had him take an eight iron and weld on a plate and then craft the face, you know, sort of like this. And then he removed some weight. So that the overall head weight was about right. And we played around with it to where I could just barely hit it. And, you know, then I realized, you know, if you deliver the handle way up, the toe would come down and that would present loft too. So that's why I had to take the toe away. So people yeah. didn't ever resort, you know, that, that reward of getting handle up toe down. Cause a lot of people play that way, steep toe down. So they had to have that kind of a, and there's a smaller one than this, actually, there's a pro version, which is even a smaller face. So a big part, obviously, is getting the grooves parallel to the ground during the strike, not, you know, create, well, this way is, you know, it's just a super short dude. And nobody really presents it like that. Everybody's kind of this way or, yeah, but yeah, that's kind of the genesis of it. And it's been, it was fun. You know, that was in 20, 2006 or seven. And then, you know, it took a while to kind of, I didn't know the process of an invention, right? What to do and how to do it. So, you know, to get an attorney and to, you know, see if I was stepping on anybody's toes with a patent. Luckily I wasn't. And then to, you know, find somebody to make the darn thing, a friend of mine in, um, a friend of mine referred me to, well, actually it was a guy named Tom Wishon. So if you've ever heard of Tom Wishon, he makes yeah. Wishon golf. So I sent him a note. I wouldn't say we're friends. I'd say we're more like an acquaintance. I sent him a note. I said, Hey Tom, do you have anybody that designs club heads? Cause I know you make your own club heads. And he said, well, you know, I'm not, I, I do that, but I, uh, for myself, he goes, if you want to get that done, I know a buddy who will do that for you. So I, I that connection was great. Cause that guy worked for uh, tour edge and Titleist and Wilson golf on the side. And then he was also the guy that was able to put me in charge of the, uh, put me in touch with the foundry and all the foundries are in China. I mean, that's where they make club heads. So yeah. those connections were pretty lucky. Next thing you know, we, you know, had a delivery of tour strikers in my house in Oregon when I used to live there. And we were just selling like one or two a day on a simple website. And then we went to the PGA show in 2009 and it was a little five foot table, me and my wife and a couple of friends that came to help. And it, um, you know, it got some traction, some of the better teachers. I mean, came up and I remember when um, Chuck Cook, Chuck Cook came up to the desk and he's like, you know, see so Texan, you know, he's like, son, what do you got there? And I'm like trying to explain to him. He goes, man, he goes, why didn't I think of that? You know, that was genius kind of thing. And, and then Randy Smith came up and um, man, tons of, tons of what I consider to be the premier coaches made their way by the, by the, you know, my little five foot table and took a look and ordered one back then. And, you know, some, a marketing company took notice, then it became an infomercial on the golf channel. So pretty, pretty fortunate steps really, you know, oh, awesome. that led to other, other things. Yeah. So, so a lot of it was just making the, um, interactions with other teaching pros and, and getting some traction that way and, um, getting involved with the golf channel and their marketing. Uh, as well yeah you know it was uh you know obviously it got the tourist trigger out there because it was a it was a successful infomercial for probably 18 months to be honest it was on all the time 
I remember and the way, you know, the way it works is, you know, they call it marketing efficiency ratio, meaning that if you spend a dollar on marketing, you got to make, you know, you got to make the dollar back and then you have to make your expenses back on the product. And then there's some money hopefully above and beyond that. So like, for example, a two to one marketing efficiency ratio makes, means you earn $2 for every $1 you spend. Well, is there profit in that extra dollar after you, you know, create the product and send the product out? And if there is, then you're going to spend as many dollars as you can because that two to one makes you money, right? But if, if you spend a dollar and you don't make it back, then there's no sense in, in, in trying to market anymore. You've kind of lost or you have to market a different way. Would you, would you say the Tour Striker itself has been your most profitable training aid? Yeah, it's certainly the, the, the biggest seller. Of all. I mean, we sold 150,000 of the darn things in a year wow. and a half. It was crazy. You know, I mean, the, the smart ball, that one, um, the inflatable ball between your arms. I've got one on the ground over there because I was hitting some shots with it yesterday, just warming up a bit. You know, that's been the um, steady one. The plane mate, you know, that was co-designed by another Canadian a friend of mine named David Woods, who's the director of golf at the Vintage Club in Indian Wells. Uh, that's been a, that was great for, for a while. It's like any training aid. It's got this bulbous ramp that everybody, you know, wants one. And then it kind of has a dip down, you know, the people that really have to have it buy one. And then after that, you just hope it's a steady trend for a while. And um, it's been, you know, luckily the, the training aid business for me has been good. Awesome. Um, then, so transitioning from uh, being an inventor and a club pro, um, how did you get into having your own golf academy? Like what's, what's been the, the uh, evolution there? Well, you know, so, you know, obviously I've always loved to teach. I always thought I was a decent communicator. Um, you know, with my, my experiences back in the day in Toronto, Ben Kern at the national is pretty legendary Canadian club pro fantastic dude. George Newton, obviously were my mentor coaches, another Canadian teacher, Mark Evershed was uh, one of my mentor coaches. And I, and I, and I tried to shadow and learn from every, every decent coach out there I've had. Anytime I had an opportunity to spend time with another coach, I would go sit in or go pay for a lesson. And, you know, Mike LeBeau down in Arizona is a great coach that I spent a lot of time with. Well, not a lot, but meaningful time with when I was a young man in college, even after George passed away. But, um, you know, got into trying to understand teaching and, and what worked, what didn't work. The communication, how people talk, you know, like looking at something and saying, okay, well, obviously I could say a whole bunch of things right now, but what would be one thing I could say that would be more meaningful than 50 things? So I try to be selective on what I say, you know, what the, the, the fewest words to get the most impact, I guess. Um, you know, so as a teaching, as a, as a home pro, it was, it was fun. You know, I taught a lot of hourly lessons. I taught ladies clinics some junior stuff when the season permitted school would allow that kind of thing. But when I had success with the training aid business, that's when I could, you know, say to my, I, that's when I could basically, you know, not have to worry about that day job, so to speak. And my wife, Stacy was the one who said, Hey, why don't you just start a golf school? And we lived in Oregon at the time and Oregon's uh, was beautiful. It was at a, in, in Bend, Oregon. I was at a neat club called Tethero and um, really neat place, but you know, very, you know, you know, it was like being a club pro in Canada, really. It was like a June to October place. And then a lot of skiing in the wintertime, which was fine. Uh, not much hockey there, though. And so we looked for a place to do a golf school. And so luckily, I had worked with some guys that managed a bunch of facilities 
OB sports. And I said, Hey, this is my thoughts, guys. I mean, you know, it's been great, but this is what I want to do. And luckily, you know, I didn't burn any bridges. So they said, Hey, we just took over a golf course in, in Phoenix. That's fantastic. It's got a great range. Why don't you go check it out? And that was the Raven. That was 11 years ago. And so I've been there ever since. So I've got, a, you know, my own little business at the back of the range there. We've got a studio, which is, uh, was built in 1996 and we've kind of modified it a bit. And so I've got my coaches myself and basically what we have is a, a weekly golf camp for, you know, I call it, you know, golf camp. It's Wednesday through Friday. Typically the student is my age and older 50 to whatever, you know, our oldest student was 90 and he was an awesome student. And so it's usually adults that want to get a little bit better. Sometimes they bring their kid or every once in a while, we'll get a junior that'll come to a three-day camp and not usually, it's usually just adults, their buddies, couples, maybe individuals, but we have a blast. We do that every Wednesday through Friday. And um, I coach privately Mondays and Tuesdays and I take weekends off. So that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And it's been rewarding and a ton of fun. Awesome. How, how, um, how active are you in your marketing? Do you outsource that or do you uh, do like the social media? Like, are you um, very involved in the creative aspect of that? You know, I'd say like early on, it was, uh, we had some, we had some help for sure. Um, I think that the, the thing that I try to encourage, like when I do PGA seminars, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll basically say, okay, put your hand up. If you have your own Instagram channel, it's dedicated for your business. And I'll look around and maybe, you know, maybe 10% of the hands go up. Okay, put your hand up if you have your own YouTube channel, you know, scan in the room for your business. And a few hands go up. Put your hand up if you, you know, you do outbound videos um, daily for your business, you know, and a few hands will go up. And I'm, I'll be looking at the audience and I'll be kind of going, okay, let's go, fellas. I mean, you know, to me, you can be coaching golf. You can be successful a couple of ways, right? You can have kind of a captured audience meaning you can be at a country club, okay? And you've got your audience that's there and you got your wedge of 400 people or 300 people and you'll teach them and maybe some of their guests. Or, you know, you can be at some public facility where you're driving like junior academies and, and that's another way to be successful. Um, in my situation, it was more of, you know, out, putting myself out there, not being afraid to be judged for my content. And so I started a YouTube channel and I want to say it was 2006 and, and it, it was kind of by accident, actually. I just realized that I could make a YouTube video and I could take the link from that video and drop it in an e-newsletter to go to my club. So in the early days, there weren't that many services that you could kind of do that within the service. You had to, you know, drag a video and, and a lot of the videos were just simply to, Hey, that, you know, come to the Valentine's day dinner, or don't forget to sign up for the whatever tournament or I started doing club education videos, like how to fix a ball mark, how to repair your divot properly. This is how you take a drop when you hit in the water hazard. Um, just basic things like that. Then I did a couple of random golf tip things. And back in the early days of YouTube, the things were viral because now there's a school in YouTube coaches, but back then there wasn't. So people obviously, you know, this YouTube thing, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden golf videos. Wow. Okay. Well, the videos are terrible, but they still got tons of views. And honestly, I don't really even put any attention toward YouTube anymore. Like I'll load the odd thing on there from time to time, but it's not, I'm not trying to drive business that way anymore. Cause I, I got really lucky with, you know, other platforms. I was on revolution golf for 10 years and, and then that got purchased by the golf channel. So, you know, luckily I have this exposure piece to where, 
you know, people my age, you know, middle agers and older, when they think golf camp, they, you know, my name pops up and then they go, Hey, let's go to Arizona and see that Martin Chuck guy. And, you know, and then with other, with the good players and stuff, like I don't, I don't seek to teach tour players. Like it doesn't, it doesn't interest me at all. I like developing some juniors that are keeners. Um, that's pleasing for me. Like if a tour player has a question or, or their coach wants a second opinion, I'll get that sometimes I'll get a, you know, a, 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 a tour coach will say, Hey, you know, Martin, do me a favor, take a look. I've been working with so-and-so on this. What do you see? And I'll go, yeah, I think you're, that looks great. I'm, you know, keep on going. You know, I mean, I, I get that from time to time from, you know, PGA tour players or they'll come out and hit balls for an hour or send me a video on the phone. But, you know, as far as like the, the way I, the, my business works is very lucky to have the exposure through the golf channel and um, like golf pass now, which is di digital content, which people seem to want to consume more than TV, to be honest. And, and that's really what drives my business in the early days. So when I coach, when I'm doing these PGA seminars, I, I tell people, Hey, listen, you know, unless if you want to change your life, okay, you've got to put yourself out there and be able to, and, and people got to go Ah, that, that coach sucks. Yeah. You know, yeah, that coach is terrible. Well, you know why they have the opportunity to say that because you're out there in front of them. Most people want to sit back and not put their stuff out there, you know, not take the steps to do something, do something fantastic with, with exposure. And it comes back to you, man. Like, I've got a young coach now that he's, he's working for me and he'll be like a, right now he's just a kind of a coach in training. And every day I have him send me a video and they're terrible. I mean it. Like if you gave me a topic right now, like, you know, give me a topic. What, what do you want me to talk about? Pick something random, not even golf. Go for it. Oh, um, uh, economics. Economics. Okay. Well, so that's the, probably the perfect feel for me. I know nothing about it, but Hey everybody, Martin Chuck here and welcome to today's show on economics. We're going to discuss supply and demand and how those two things balance out. Now let's talk about the supply side. If the supply side gets really crushed down, guess what? There's a ton of built up demand because more people want the same thing. The price gets to go up. So anyway, just as an example, you know, I can look at a camera and BS about anything, man. Okay. Now golf happens to be my specialty. So it's more natural. I could run on and on about, you know, risk conditions and club mass and my preferences for the, this and that, but you have to be able to like, look at a camera. You have to be able to smile a little bit, pretend you're actually having fun. Right. Cause you, you get to where you enjoy it. You know, so I'm looking at the camera and for those watching this, if, if like 25 people enjoy this fantastic. And if you do this, I guarantee you're going to change your life. Right. Learn to look at a camera, learn to smile a little bit. If they see the passion in your face, they're going to appreciate that. And, and, and like this new coach I've got, like he's a great kid from Texas. He's super polite and he's all golf, shucks, jolly, golly, golly gee. And I'm trying to get him, hey, man, smile. Let's have a little fun here. Show your, you're a great kid. You're a good player. Show that to people. Try to check your comments about so, ah, uh, um. And in practice, you're going to say, hey, that video is two minutes long. And I only had five so's and three ahs and one um. Good. Next video, maybe it's only three so's and one um. You get my point? Everything's practice, man. Good golf is practice. And, and being able to look at a camera and express yourself, that's practice too. So, yeah, absolutely. So you, you feel like um, you kind of said you, you have the ability to do that now. Is that something 
you feel like you developed or do you feel like that was something that was a personality trait, um, like just even as a kid? I would say that, um, you know, I wasn't a wallflower. So that's, that's to be for sure. I, I look back and I think that exposure through sports, getting, um, you know, the golf, good and bad, getting punished, winning tournaments and losing tournaments in hockey, getting yelled at, being a team player, having success and failure, all those things kind of craft the human that you become the, but ultimately you got to decide, you know, what you're going to be. If, but in, in, a, I guess some people are going to be more comfortable in front of the camera, but it's, it's just practice. It really, really is. Like I've seen this kid develop just by sending me one video a day. You know, I asked him to just to sing me the ABCs, right? Like crazy, right? Like sing me the ABCs, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like people, and you're going to think I'm nuts, but, the, but so what? I don't think, I don't care if you think I'm nuts. I want, I want you to be nuts. I want you to be, I want you to get to the point where you can look at a group of people you can smile at the group of people. You can ask them where they're from. You can say, Hey, how much golf do you play? Okay. Fantastic. What's your, what's your biggest issue? Okay. You hit, you hit a, a slice. Fair enough. We'll, we'll work on that. How about you, sir? Okay. You have a hard time with contact with iron shots. Great. Let's have some fun today. Let's address those things. Let's explain, you know, how you have clean contact, where some speed comes from. Some of the things that create reliability with low point. Um, the things that create a strong face to path, let's get started. And so people are like, okay, let's get started. You know? So again, that's practice. Now I'm 53. I've been doing it a long time, but guess what? You got to start with the first day, man. You got to start somewhere. Right. Like in your, how many lessons have you given now in your life? Um, 14 to 15,000. Okay. 14 to 15,000 golf lessons. Right. Do you think you're better today than you were 13,999 lessons ago? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, back in the, when you first got started, you're probably like, oh, I'm going to show this guy how smart I am. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to make, and then you're probably apprehensive. And now you kind of look at it, you kind of go, hmm, okay, we'll start here. Well, and I you, think, and, you know, I think that what you said about um, finding the most important thing to say um in any given situation and condensing it that's if there's anything that i think this changed for myself that that's what it would be because there's that um i think there's that need to to feel like you need to to seem like an expert or to try to impress or fit in big uh you know anatomical uh definitions but i think if you can just um get somebody to understand what they need to do in any given situation and communicate that i mean that's probably the the, the greatest skill that you can have and i guess that's uh, it sounds like kind of what you're saying as well yeah i would i would encourage everybody to, to give a lesson and not speak yeah. literally half an hour even if you if um i've done this before i've been doing it for years and, and sometimes i'll do i used to do it with clients that I knew really well. And the reason why, because you go down a rabbit hole of questions and this, I guarantee you this has happened to you. You're, you're trying to help this person on their root issue. And then they'll say, but what if, but, but, but. And next thing you know, you're kind of going down this rabbit hole of, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
let's just kind of put our hands on nicely. Let's waggle. Let's aim our, let's get comfortable. Let's create a structure, take a look. And, and so a couple times years ago, I never, it was one of those moments where I've laughed so hard. I peed my pants almost. And like, there's been a handful of those in my life and I can remember every one of them. They've been so much fun and not all related to golf, but this guy would ask me these questions any, and I think the questions were diversions from actually putting in a moment's moment of work, you know, in an effort to just hit a shot. And so the questions were diversions. And I said, listen, mm -mm. we're going to zip it. I'm going to coach you. Like, you know, we don't have mouths here. I'm going to nod. I'm going to make adjustments. I'm going to give you this. Or I'm going to give you, eh, or, you know, let's just go through this, this little event this way. And it's pretty fascinating when you have no words at all and you can walk up to somebody and then, you know, at the top, maybe they're here and then you kind of take their hands and, you know, you flex their lead wrist a bit, extend their trail wrist a bit. Maybe you pull some width into their swing a little bit, you know, and I'll tell you something Mark Evershed taught me years ago, which is so impactful to me. And I do it every lesson is that like I say, I'm working with you and there's something that, you know, we identify and you're a good player. So we identify it and you go, yeah, man, I see your point there. Let's go to work. Now, if I'm positioning you, I may, I may, I may grab your form a certain way and, and literally squeeze it to the point where you kind of go, what the heck was that? I'm trying to put in this like a mental trigger. It's almost like putting a pin in time. Cause when, when I was working with, with Mark on things, Every once in a while, he would like grab my wrist, like awkwardly hard, not to the point of pain, but awkwardly hard to where that was a pin that I'll never forget. Yeah. So all we're trying to do is, you know, nowadays we, you know, I use coach now and I'll, you know, I've got 3,500 students in my coach now account, which is another marketing thing, by the way, for you guys, I'll show you how I do that. But, you know, those little moments where you literally are, you know, you're moving people around and give them a you know, not freaky, like you're going to get, you know, the police are going to come get you, but you want to inspire like, well, okay, I get what you, I get what you did there. Cause that little, that moment of you two being there, that's something they'll, they'll remember forever. That weird, you know, wrist grab or forearm squeeze or shoulder grab or whatever. I mean, it's just a trigger to that moment. And it's uh, it's, I asked students, I go, do you remember that? And they're like, yeah, I thought it was really weird for a second, but now I get it. I get, get why you're trying to get my left shoulder more down on my backswing or, you know, my pelvis not to glide too much away from the target during the rotation of a backswing. So anyway, I don't know where I was going with the tangent on that, but here we are. Ah, I liked it. It was good. Um, yeah, there's definitely seems to always be a moment where someone really understands, like it's, it's a difference. You can see it and the shots change right after that. So that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, uh, so you're saying coach now that you just mentioned that. Yeah. So coach now, you know, and I'm not, they don't pay me for this. This is just every time I do one of these coaching things, like if I open this up and I hold this up to the viewer, if I can get to where I'm at there. Yeah. So here is like, I'll scroll this thing. And this is like, I'm, I don't know what I'm on right now, but I'm probably not that far along. You know, so there's some lovely gal. There's the Jairs and the Jerry. So if I, the Jays, and if I keep scrolling, like there's, there's literally 3,500 people in here. So if I want to, you know, I can turn on that camera and go, Hey everybody, happy holidays. I hope everybody's doing great. Send. Okay. So 3,500 people just got either a note or a video from me. 
wishing them well. Or I could say, hey, by the way, you know, I've got one, one person left for my golf school in Lake Tahoe in June. Love to have you there if you can make it. You Pacific Northwesterners, come on, get down in your car and come join me. Send. You know, so not only, and this is, I do this also, I use it as when people say, man, your lessons are expensive. I'll say, yep, they are. You get what you pay for. I'll say, um, but also the follow-ups included. And they'll go, what are you talking about the follow-ups included? I'll say, well, I'm going to create an online platform for you. And I want you to use it. And I want you to reach out with your questions long after our lesson is done. And then people go, oh my gosh, how do you do that? How, you must be all day, you know, working on people's lessons long after they paid you. And I go, no, not really. I go, I'm going to scroll through my notifications today. So once again, you know, so this is my notifications. I've got a few on there, but there's not one new update from yesterday. I got this lovely gal in, in, uh, she sends me videos from Fiji. Okay. So this gal is like from like Denmark, wherever she's from and she lives in Fiji. And so she sent me a video and she, she came to golf school three years ago. Right. So you know what that is? That's a relationship, man. That took something from transactional. Okay. Here's my money to, Hey, we're friends now. <clears throat> and if I have a question about my golf swing, I'm going to reach out and ask you and I'm going to get back to her. And it takes me all of a, Hey, that looks way better. Sandrine, her name's Sandrine. And I want you to, you know, whatever, consider this. And sometimes I'll like, this is my little garage studio. I do a lot of my student interface from here or I'll just do it on my phone. Like, you know, there's a little, you can kind of see a couple of yellow lines on the, on the video. I might just, you know, use my fingers and voice over right on there and say, Hey, happy holidays. Hope all is well. And, you know, hope this helps take care. So now that's, that's something where don't think this gal, she, you know, we're friends. She's yep. going to refer clients when she comes, when she, she's inspired to come see me again in Arizona. Right. And that's how, that's how you treat, you take care of people. They'll take care of you. Building relationships. Amen. Awesome. Um, so I think we're getting kind of close to the, the time. Um, uh, so I just wanted to, you know, if you had to sum up, what's, what's one or just a, you know, golf pro just starting out what's what's your one piece of advice i know we covered a lot of things but if you had to just bullet point it i would say uh, i would say this every lesson should start with you putting on your microphone okay and so that that's crazy right like i've got mine on right now so i wear when i get to work every day you know and if anybody wants my little setup routine i'm happy to send you the text on on what i do in the mornings you know so my phone is basically my goes on an iPad, it goes on my tripod. Nowadays, you don't have to put it on airplane mode, but because um, the new iPhone you know, doesn't shut off the apps when the phone rings, it used to. So base, I always turn my mic on. So I've got my microphone, my transmitter, my receiver, my receiver's on my tripod. I plug into my phone so that when I'm coaching somebody outside, I, I've got an indoor studio and outdoor, and I prefer to be outside, but occasionally I'll walk somebody inside, to, you know, because I've got more cameras and different technology in there I could use. But first thing I do is put on my microphone because everything I say to them, I want the audio to be crisp and clear. So the, what you hear now, even though the tripod might be, you know, 10 feet back there filming at us in the video clip of the, of the session, you know, so a session might be an hour, it might be three hours, might be a full day. A lot of people just book me for the day, which is great because we have breakfast. I get to know them. We play a few holes. We hit some balls. We take a little short game break. We hit some more balls. Maybe 
go in the studio for a little bit and maybe go play nine holes. Okay. So those full day ones are fun. And the tripod kind of bounces along. And within a session, there is a series of lessons. So a lesson isn't one hour, a session's one hour. There might be 10 lessons in a session. So I try to capture the lessons. The lessons might be teeny weeny little moments. Then there might be five or six of them in one session of an hour, or the lessons might be 20 of lessons in a day. Right. So I try to say, okay, this is a meaningful learning opportunity. Turn on the camera and I record the three to five, maybe 10 minutes a video, but I want to make sure they, the audio is good. So, and then their questions, if they're a ways away from me and, and they talk to me, I might repeat their questions. So when they refer back to their video, I can say, oh, so your question was about your feelings and your downswing. Okay. And then I might go into some things about, okay, well, we don't want to feel our elbows separate and under downswing. We want to feel like our elbows maybe get a little closer under downswing. So, you know, the, that's the kind of expanded version of the simple thing is that, you know, have a plan and be consistent in how you coach. And my consistency is that when somebody leaves me, they have a, you know, chronological series of videos that go into their training space that I can look back on. They can look back on, because if you come see me in a lesson two years from now, which a lot of people do, they might come to a golf camp every two or three years, or they might come book time with me every two or three years and they're rolling through Phoenix. I want to be able to go back and go, oh, okay, Vogel. Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I see. We, we kind of took his grip and made it a bit more neutral. Got the face a bit more neutral. Okay, perfect. Hey, good to see you. How's your grip going? I don't want to be like lost when I see you. Yeah. I want to have some bullets that I, I know, okay, this is what I worked on with you two years ago. Let's get started. How'd that work for you? Let's move on. Oh, we're great. Fantastic. You obviously like something. You're back, you know? So as a coach, you know, to our point, you said it, I said it, you know, you don't have to impress people with your intelligence, show them you care about their golf game, right? Choose simple ways to express yourself to where it's, it's meaningful. Um, I like to save a lot of little video snippets for them to review. I like to make little memory triggers, for people so they kind of have some senses of, you know, what we're working on as far as things physically that they might, you know, trigger when they go play. Um, you know, I'm a freak about routine, a freak about walk-in routine. Students have to, they don't just get to rake and hit a golf ball. They get one ball. They have to walk out. They have to walk in, even in a screen, they got to walk out, walk in, hit a shot and learn how to waggle. Most people don't know how to waggle. And, you know, those are, and it's not, we're not teaching rocket science, right? We're, we're friends first. We're trying to provide a fun experience that can develop them to enjoy, you know, help them develop their game, and enjoy it more. So, I mean, that's my parting shot. That's a, a long parting shot, but that's what I'd say. No, that's awesome. Um, if uh, anybody listening wanted to find out more information about yourself or, or Tour Striker, uh, where would they go to find that? Tourstriker.com or, you know, social media. We kind of split things up. I have my, my Instagrams kind of where I post something daily for fun, Martin Chuck PGA. And then there's the tour striker golf side, which is we, we like to feature coaches, you know, any kind of coach that has good content or uses the stuff and wants exposure. So if anybody up there is a, you know, tour striker product fan and they have a decent video, which I would encourage you to get on that horse and learn how to present yourself and talk to a camera because you know, it's one, one thing to go one-to-one. -one. It's awesome to go one-to-many, 
you know, so one to many is great because then, you know, it lets you do so many more things with your business and opportunities. So learn how to go one to many and you'll, you'll have a lot more opportunities. Awesome. Well, appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, for uh, taking that time and coming out and um, I apologize for the technical difficulties. (laughs) No worries. Um, And um, yeah, we'll catch you, catch you soon. All right. Take care guys. Thanks.